0: we could all like see each other and be like wow if we're wowed by each other we'll respect each other and give each other to have this like well oiled machine that can sustain and continue to grow
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the ConExpo Egg podcast, brought to you by our good friends over at Komatsu, which I can't wait to see their display at this year's show, which, by the way, is super close. I can't believe that it is almost here. Here with me today, I have a former host of the ConExpo Egg podcast, so I'm looking forward to this, and the owner of Big Machine Hustle and Sherber Roloffs, along with her husband. And today we have Missy Sherber with us. Missy, thanks for being here.
0: Yeah, of course, it's so exciting. Um, one to see where you've taken this podcast; it's just gotten better and better. And two, to be on the other side of the mic, I don't know if I should be nervous, scared, excited. Uh, so take it away.
1: <laughs> oh, d- definitely none, none none of those things. I, I, I'd be more, more excited. I, I'm actually excited just to chat with you because I, before we kind of got on here, I've never had the opportunity to sit down one v one with you, you know, and kind of just chat. And I, from what I've seen on social media. I've known about you for like three years, and I've always just wanted to just ask you, you know, and lay a foundation down, I guess, for the audience. If you had to describe like who you are and what you do, let's hear it.
0: So my name is Missy Sherber, and alongside my husband, Trevor, run T. Sherber Demolition Excavating and Rolloffs. We're a specialty excavation earth-moving contractor. We do brick and mortar demolition. We also have what I call the little company that could, which is a dumpster company. That's actually how Trevor got started before he met me. He was a dumpster man, a trash man, and took a roll-off company that was very much in the negative and not doing well and brought it up to the positive. Then I, uh, him and I met in 2013, and I quit my dream job to start hustling dumpsters and help him start a earth-moving and demolition company. So I went from selling programs at a nonprofit that I was really passionate about downtown wore high heels every day and presented in front of CEOs and corporations and fell in love with the man in a 1999 Peterbilt and started uh, talking trash every day and learning the dirt world and uh, coming up on my ninth year here. And I have to say, it's been the absolute most amazing transition career change for me. A lot of years of learning. I, I, like many other of my peers, went to the school of hard knocks, but Here we are eight years later. We had our biggest year of growth last year. We tripled the size. That has really, really transitioned my role and into talent acquisition and team management. Another layer of school of hard knocks, which I hear never ends in the construction industry. So yeah, that's who I am, what we do. And yeah, I'm excited to see where you navigate the conversation. There's so many different things to talk about in this industry, right? There's buzzwords, there's workforce development, there's technology. But I want to know what Taylor wants to know and what you feel like the community um, would love to connect with me on today.
1: Still, I'm just interested in like understanding yourself and you, to be honest with you as well, too. I mean, this is the Misty Sherber episode and I want to get your points of, you know, all the issues that that and stuff that you just talked about. But it's just pretty incredible coming from what you were doing at the nonprofit, which I had no idea about, to then coming into construction, like this industry is just insane. I mean, and there's other industries that are insane too, but I mean, there's just so many dynamics to this industry. Like, how did you get your feet wet into this? Like, like what, what, was, what would you say was the one thing, if there's probably not one thing that was like, okay, this is how I'm going to go about like getting into this and doing this. What have you learned?
0: So that's a a great, great question Um, because it takes me back to the first year of total paralysis. Like, what am I doing here? Trevor teases me. You were blinded by the light, you know, because I was in love. And so what do I know? I'm coming in, help with this business. Um, The first day I walked into Trevor's office, I saw a stack of bills from floor to ceiling, papers everywhere, highlighter. I'm just like, what is this? But I would say what I did to transition um, after I got through that stage of paralysis, I really had to be like, okay, you're in this. What's next? How are you going to learn a whole new industry? And so for me, it was getting to know the guys in the field and making our vendors and our subcontractors, the guys at Napa who sold us our parts, the fuel trucks who sold us our fuel, our operating team. Like make them my best friend and my advocate and get to know them and what they need. And if I can just hang at their level, then I can build something that truly supports their future, that builds a dumpster and dirt company that is different. From the beginning, I wanted to do it differently and bring my background of I'm making a difference in the community, um, customer service and corp- in the corporate world. I just wanted to humanize the process. And to start, I had to connect with the humans involved in every aspect and at every layer of the industry. And through that, I just fell in love with them. Like And You guys are heroes, man. Like you're just these unseen, unsung heroes. I grew up never knowing I should thank an excavator for running water, a working toilet, roads to get. Around infrastructure, like all these things. And I'm like, how does the whole world not know about these heroes wearing hard hats instead of capes? And so I think through that, just genuine curiosity and love for the people and taking the time to just get to know everyone at the ground level, that's how I was able to adjust. And really, they were the same people I had been working with downtown in corporate. They just were a little dirtier and sweatier and grittier but had the same human heart and vision to provide a great life for their family and build a better world. So that's kind of how I transition is just the the people, the process of people and humanizing the process. And that inspired me to build our company in a truly unique way um, that connects and cares about the people.
1: Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, very incredible. And it's also great that you realize that you need that connection with the ground people rather than like, Okay, you know, Trevor had the, and then all of a sudden you come in and then you're just don't take the time to, you know, get to know the people on the ground and where you're saying like, no, like that, that wasn't me. I kind of did the opposite of that.
0: And I was genuinely honest with them. I would go to Napa, our Napa dealer, and I would be like, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I know what I, here's a picture of the equipment, right? At the time it was 315. And I'm like, here's a picture. Um, and I was just honest and curious, but also I love cooking. And so I brought them food and they were like, oh, hey, you know, Missy's coming. What do you need? How can we help you? You brought us food. So I, I guess I should be honest in the fact that I used a little food bartering and I thought the way to a, a man is his belly, like maybe I'm a little old school in that way. But I i used food as my tool to connect and to learn stuff. So. To throw
1: that out there, <laughs> yeah, f- food and cigarettes will go a long way out here.
0: Hey, a little bit of you know, whatever you got to do.
1: <laughs> that that's really cool. um I'm always curious to know, like, how's the dynamic work? Like my my wife, um, she does uh, some of our books and invoicing and stuff with us, and I've always wondered, how do you find the dynamic of? And I have a hard time separating this, and she's going to laugh when I say that, but work and then your personal when you work with your significant other. Talk about that relationship a bit because I know people can relate.
0: Yeah, so that doesn't exist, the separation.
1: I'm glad you said that.
0: But you can take learn to take cues from each other on when is a good time and when is not because there are times at dinner where Trevor's had a heavy day and he just had a meeting and he needs to download and talk I definitely am not the type of person who's like, uh, it's dinner. We're not talking about work. Construction is a lifestyle and it integrates into every part of your life. And so I want to be respectful of, like, hey, you need to talk now. Let's talk. But I also take the cues where sometimes it's a heavy day. We don't want to talk about it. We want to talk about the kids and do something fun and absolutely not dive into the construction world. And so I just think it's building a mutual respect for each other. It took, Me a long time to adjust that because I could talk about work all day, all night. You know, I'm reading this book, I'm learning this thing, and he's just like, I need to shut down. And so um, it took a little bit of adjusting and just learning how to respect each other. But it's just like the important relationship is respect and listening to the cues and, and just saying, okay, now's not a good time. Okay, yes, now's a good time. Or asking each other, like, hey, at a tough day. Is this a good time to connect about that? Our dynamic was pretty easy in the beginning. And then when we grew, it got really hard. Um, I would say the middle of eight years, you know, the initial years of Trevor and I working together and being together, but also working the business together were easy because it was like you go do that, I do this, you do everything on this side, I do everything on this side. Once we started growing and adding other people and layers we started butting heads more because we both see two very different sides of what's to get done. Trevor is like a production king. I mean, he can go out in the field and produce, produce, produce. And I'm like a process, like systems. Did we get the tickets? Were they logged correctly? Does everyone clocked the busy, busy hours? I mean, just like obsessive over here. And we reached a peak where it was kind of like, butting heads. And so then we had to sit down at the table and be like, your skills are necessary in the field. And I needed to hear from him in the field, Missy, your skills are necessary in the office and with HR and accounting. When we both deem each other necessary, we can like build this bridge and work together. And so now these last few years, we've found another flow where it's going really well because We're building the respect between the field and the office. And I think I see in construction a lot of breakdown there and not a good understanding of everyone's roles and how they work together and how important they are. Like that metal moves without the bookkeeper, the accountant, the CFO, the controller, the payments, the fuel, the job costing. It won't, the metal won't move without all these moving parts. So, how can we? build the mutual respect between those two areas. So Trevor and I worked really hard to do that with each other. And then it's kind of started to grow within the company. Um, An example of that is for our staff party. I told our office administrator, I was like, hey, I want to do a quiz or a game where people have to guess, like how many estimates did Trevor do last year? How many phone calls did Pam take? How many transactions did Linda, our bookkeeper, enter? And then I wanted the reverse. I wanted the field to give me some fun questions of how many buckets of dirt did they, how many feet of pipe did they lay? How many pilings were installed so that we could all like see each other and be like, wow, if we're wowed by each other, we'll respect each other and give each other to have this like well oiled machine that can sustain and continue to grow.
1: Yeah, that that's, that's key, and uh, I like how you loop that around. I, I like the conversation of field and office because that's something that we talk about a lot here as well too. And kind of just going back real quick, I just want to touch on it because you said something. Like I feel like you, it was amazing what you just said because I was picking up some valuable stuff from it as well too. Every time you grow, I find that there's like a different hurdle. I feel like there's been so many times where we sit at a round table and we're like, "All right, we got this figured out," and then. Three weeks later, it's like, oh, that new machine showed up that we're starting up this new crew. OK, we have nothing figured out anymore. And we're going back to the drawing board. And it's just like we were saying, it's like chaos. Right. And it's trying to get it to become organized chaos. So although I am very happy, it sounds like you guys have a great groove. I'm trying to find that with with my wife as well, too, because I struggle with never shutting it off. And I like what you said as well, too, about construction is like a lifestyle. You know, my father-in-law, for instance, he's in private wealth management. And after 5 p.m., they lock out, you know, his emails and he, he can't access his emails after 5 p.m. at night. Oh, nice. Well, as- Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, in construction in the summertime, there could be guys still going at 7, 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. at night and then add the layer of again social media on top of that as well, too. It's kind of just all the time but also in construction where well, you're starting at 5 in the morning in the summertime as well too like it's just insane so you're you're right and you nailed it with saying that it's a lifestyle because it's not a regular job
0: yeah and you have to accept that and and then you accept the cues of when to take a break from the lifestyle of construction and you accept that the awareness that this is an all the time thing i am trying to explore or like in my mind i'm exploring what does this look like for women and the societal expectation that they're typically the primary caretaker of the kids. How do we get more women? When in the nature of this business that it's a lifestyle, but they have a lot of other layers to manage. And to me, it almost seems impossible or unrealistic. But I know there's a solution there, and I'm just trying to start to work at it, and figure it out with our own team. But yeah, construction is a lifestyle, and it's an ebb and flow of accepting the ups and downs with it, and then integrating your family your staff, your people in a healthy way of saying, care about you as a person, but we also care about production and just like finding that good balance, you know?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, you're hundred percent right. I mean, this is all conversations that we have with our management, like every single day, right? Like in passing, I mean, that's why I, I love this conversation. Um, I mean, it was even, it was in our wedding vows at our wedding about like, you know, my wife said something like, I you know, promise to love you even in the summertime when you're never here.
0: When you're not around.
1: Yeah, it, exactly. But I think also too, and maybe I'm not the best person to speak on that because I'm a I'm a I'm a guy. But what you said about like women in construction as well too, it is true though. Like if women are the primary caregiver of their kids and and holding basically the family together and raising kids, like my wife, like well, I couldn't do what she does. But then, like, how would she come in and do what I'm doing? All like, it is a tough one. Like. That would be very that would be a struggle to try to understand how does this work? how does this dynamic work? Have you figured out anything that, that has...
0: No, it's not a simple solution. I thought it was, and I used to be like rah-rah, women in construction like it tap into 50 percent of the workforce if our industry is going to sustain itself and grow. Now I am looking at it through a different lens and, and thinking, but how can this work when the expectation in our industry is 10 hour shifts? And then the societal expectation on not all women, but most women, or, you know, I, there's a couple of single dads that follow me and they're the primary caretaker for their kids and they want to grow in their career in construction. They can't because they have daycare and that is kind of looked down upon in our industry. If you can't put in the blood, sweat and tears of kind of 12 hours a day in the summertime, you're out. I brought up what I. Didn't realize it was a controversial subject. Um, we were in the contractor the program for equipment world last year. We were one of the finalists, and we were in the room with ten other contractors from around the country. And I just said, "What about shifts? Do we need to start thinking about shifts, like eight-hour shifts, and you get the same opportunity to grow your career in construction?" But we realized that there's representatives that want to be in our issue but have to pick up kids or have basketball games and hockey. And we don't want you to just burn out and hate this industry. So I brought up the, and, and literally half the room was like, Absolutely, that would never work. Um, no, that's just, even there was a female in the room who was like, uh, my guys wouldn't accept that. So what are you saying? Special treatment. I was like, special treatment for women or whoever has to take care of the kids. And then how do we manage that in HR and contracts? And I was just like, I'm just throwing a thought out there that the solution is not simple and our pedestal can't just be we need more women in construction. We need to have conversations. We need more men in construction who are primary caretakers. We need more single dads in construction. But are they going to choose this industry where they won't have the lifestyle of seeing their children? I want my guys to go to the baseball and the hockey games. I'm looking at a shift's perspective for them. Like, Not just women, but it's a conversation we have to have. I was just really surprised at the resistance in the room of like, there's no way that can't happen. You know, it's special treatment, this and that. I'm like, okay, I just wanted to throw it out there that I barely survive this schedule. Like, I'm up at five, I'm dying at nine. Like, I'm, and I do all the pickup, household, all the things, you know, so, and I'm lucky that I'm in the position to be an owner of a business. So I can kind of ebb and flow, but what does this look like for a laborer or a female operator who has kids? Like how does this work? And I'm just finding the determination that we at our company are going to make it work. We're going to find a way to build a model that supports. And it might take a couple of years and a couple of conversations with the men. And we're going to find a way to do it differently. That's our commitment as a company is doing dirty jobs differently. And we're going to find a way to try it and to see how it works. And then maybe that's a model. Or if you know of companies out there that are exploring this expectation, I I, I just think I talked to Mary Catherine Harvard on last season of the podcast, and that was a really good interview. She built an all women's paving crew. And then she hit all these challenges at the leave at three. They couldn't get in at seven. Like the guys were like WTF, you know. So it's like, oh, this is such a deeper conversation. And why is everyone shying away from it? And and everyone's brave enough to say we need more women in construction. It just doesn't seem like they're brave enough to go deeper with the conversation, what that looks like, and also be thinking about men who might, in the next gen, might want a different lifestyle, who weren't raised that 10 to 12-hour sweaty brows is, is the norm, you know?
1: Yeah, I think you you, you nailed it because... Um, it is a conversation and I like your approach at it where it's like, Hey, like it's easy to to go on and say like, oh, I'm an advocate for women in construction, but you know, like how are we going to do this? Because like your household will fall apart if, uh, you know, the woman is working 12 hours a day and not, or, or and then it picks up on then, then they're relying on the, the male. And then he's also doing this as well too. Or like you said, single dads, primary caregivers who are dads. I like your outlook on it because I've actually, I've never heard that kind of outlook on that conversation and and i like it it opens my eyes and like it is you're right like it's such a tough conversation because how do you the thing with construction especially in our climate in the winter time it's like you're like hopefully you got some money in the bank to make yourself through so then when the weather's nice it's like okay boys 6 a.m start 6 p.m end yes you know so like you're you're right like we need to figure out how we can get a better work and life balance in construction but as a business owner and as you know too guys need to be out there doing the jobs because if you're pricing something like the quicker you can get the job done or the more production or like so many things come into a factor that it's so
0: it's a lust right now
1: exactly it's it's i find it so easy and again and this is another conversation because i've i've talked to people i like where you went with this because there's so many people are like construction like we need to be better to our, our employees and let them get off earlier and let them come in later and Hey, like we treat our guys like like they're they're all here for a reason, right? But at the end of the day, like I need my guys working by seven a m and in the summertime and and at least work until six p m or you won't win
0: work like that's how you win work on the business development side is making this promise to your customers of excellence of execution, of production, and then if you're in a winter climate, um your customers and government entities are expecting all in. Balls to the walls all summer long, but that funny enough, those same government entities, and this is what I'm pushing back at our civil rights offices, is like your diversity goals are huge, yet to meet that goal, we, your your production schedule's expectation is ten to twelve hours. So how do I get women to get out at a dozer because I know dozer operators that are women that are kids how do I get them on the projects to meet your goals? Project's production schedule expects 12 hours and they have kids. Like, help me understand what, who is penciling this in their office as a standard and then saying it's, it's an attainable goal. So I'm just cautious to have these conversations. and easing into them because I certainly
1: shouldn't be like that, though. You know, like I like the conversation because it's good because I, I see it from both, both sides, right? Like As of recently, you know, like my goal, like me and my wife, you know, three weeks ago, she's like, hey, like it's wintertime. It'd be nice if you were home by at least 530 every night because it's like I could I could stay here forever. So now I'm like, you know, been trying to do that. But then the also the other side of me as a business owner is like, "Okay, well, how I'm telling my guys that we need to work longer hours to get more work done so that we can grow revenue more this year. So it's you can see it from both sides. And that's so that's why I like the conversation because like I agree but let's figure out how to do that because I'm just going to get estimated out of the game. If I tell everybody, hey, come my construction, we're doing eight hours. And then the next company's still doing 12 hour days. Well, they're going to get the job done sooner than me. So then I can't even afford to do it for the cost that they're doing it at.
0: 100%. It conflicts with your business development and growth goals. So, yeah. same. And, and I'm over business development within our company. And so I feel this collision of goals. And it's like, I'm so determined over the next three to five years through trial and error to try to find something that works. And I know there's companies out there who are feeling the same collision, who are going to figure it out and making the dirt world a better place as us going and trying these smaller to mid sized companies and saying, what can we do? And then becoming a model of core values and, and compliance on all sides.
1: Yeah, no, you're right, 100%. Can you believe it? ConExpo Con egg is almost here. That's right. The largest construction family reunion in North America is going to be here before we know it. See and test the new equipment. Ask the technical experts. Find out what your business will be using tomorrow. Make the connections that matter. If you haven't registered yet, there's still time to secure tickets. Visit conexpoconag.com and use the promo code PODCAST20 to get 20% off. That's right. 20% off with the promo code PODCAST20. If you already have your tickets to the show, join us in the countdown and comment below to let us know that you are going and we'll be there and we are excited to see you. When you talk about business development and like kind of your you were saying previous about your role in the business and everything, what's your day-to-day look like, I guess? Like I know it's in construction and it's every day is different, but if you could kind of like dial in on like, this is what I do
0: that's a tough one. I, I, I fulfill a role of president for the company. My days are pretty standard to the layers of what that role means. So obviously vision and strategy, researching the markets, where are we headed? What's, what's our game plan? I don't look very much day to day at today and this week. I'm thinking about three months, six months, nine months, two months. Like that's kind of what I'm thinking about day-to-day and making decisions today that impact our
1: tomorrow. you're outward facing.
0: Yeah, very much so. And then we have such a talented team, Trevor, our superintendent, who are thinking about execution of today, tomorrow, the pipeline um, and fulfilling, you know, kind of what's in our schedule. Business development is pretty much integrated into every single day, building relationships with customers, getting back to them, what's in your pipeline, how did that look? Now, do we need to be more competitive on these numbers? So VD is, its a, that business development is a lifestyle for a construction company. It never stops. Machines might be out moving, but that doesn't mean nothing moving in three months. And so someone has to be thinking about that so that our guys have a true career here. So business development's a big role. Now with us tripling in size, HR, insurance, compliance, contracts, that, I'm looking at something connected to that every day, whether it's onboarding, hiring, firing, professional development of our team. HR was kind of the unknown. You know, you talked about ceilings that you hit as you grow. And I feel that every 30% you grow, you hit a new ceiling of lessons that you're going to have to learn. Things are going to have to change. This no longer serves us anymore. I think for us last year, HR was the big thing that revealed itself, like, holy crap, we now need an HR department and an HR process and procedures and an official way to onboard and, if necessary, fire and all the things. So HR insurance, our insurance premiums grew, our needs for bonding grew. Um, so, like, all the boring stuff, I feel like this year I'm getting kind of sucked too.
1: It's a lot of stuff.
0: It's a lot. And then also, like, workflow. For me, like leaning into softwares that will make our project management smoother as a company. We now have hired amazing talent to take on a lot of the roles. So now we're managing them and trying to give them the resources they need to have good workflow that support the company. And so I've been focused this year on innovation and software, not, not technology in the machines. We're good there. Technology in the office that connects everyone and keeps them communicative and job costs and. All the things. So, day to day basis, I'm touching one of those, maybe a friendly call from one of my operators. How's your day going? And then the roll off company. We have an officer company over on the side that our office administrator, Pam, is amazing at uh, helping execute run on a daily basis. So, I typically answering a question too. she's at the school of hard knocks right now of running a roll off company, which is really fun to watch her shine. Um, so, my day to day right now is business development, HR insurance. People development and all the things, building a peak performing team, keeping my sanity, eating, taking care of children, household, loving my husband, and um, i her at the end of the day.
1: Those are some of the biggest ones that you said at the end. I mean, they are. It, yeah, that that that's just it, and and that's just being an owner of a business. What you just described, yeah. asking someone, like I hate, like I, I actually despise, and, and you're welcome for doing that to you, but I despise when people like put me on the spot and always ask me like, well, what do you do? And it's like, shit. Well, I mean, like, what don't I do? Like, okay, well, yesterday I did this. Okay. Then now today I'm doing this. And then I also have to take care of this. And there's just so many different aspects to it. And like what you just said, like you're covering everything. There's not, it's not like you're just like, oh, I work at company A and I am HR and that's all I do. It's like, well, I'm HR as well as this and this and this and this and this. And it's, it's, it's a lot. And it, it definitely takes uh, the right person to, to kind of do all that stuff.
0: And it does. And, and the right person to care. But what I appreciate about the question that you asked is that I've been asked that question before on a podcast several years ago. And it was, so everyone wants to know, Missy, what do you actually do? And I found that framework very insulting. Like, what do you mean, what do I actually do? I do what every other owner president does. You framed that question in such a respectful way of like, what does your day-to-day look like? And gave me the level playing field of you're an owner, I'm an owner, and I super appreciate the way you framed. It gives us space to like build respect and have great conversations. So what do you think is the best advice for owners that are doing what you and I just described? We kind of have to do it all, keep our sanity, stay sane and straight and level. And I'm trying to just learn like how do you keep it all together?
1: One big thing for me and again and this is cutting out time of the day but it's like to find that one thing that is kind of a de-stressor uh, and I don't know maybe it sounds like such a classic millennial answer or something like that but I'm lucky no but I'm serious like I, you're right 100% and it's just the stress and the overwhelmingness of getting everything done and your calendar is always jammed and you have this and this. this person texted me and it's been three days and I forgot that I didn't respond back to them. And I have this email. I didn't read the email. And then now I gotta Not go. Not the only like, one. No, but I'm serious. Like I get it. I know exactly. Like I yeah, like we both can relate. And uh so for me, it's actually just finding like that one hour of the day where like one big thing with our new office is like I just I put a treadmill in a room and I get on it and I don't care to have the six-pack or rip biceps or look like I do roids. I'm just doing it for my sanity. So for me telling somebody that does what we do, be like, dude, find something. I don't care. Maybe it's pottery. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's, I don't know, reading a book for an hour. Just like normally in the afternoon at like two to three, I just need something to just do it. And I'm not shutting down when I'm doing it. I'm thinking about work. I'm thinking about that situation that happened at lunch with between those two guys, because he said that to him and how, what's the, oh, okay. What's the best way that I'm going to go about this. And for me, it's finding that. So for me, that's the best advice that I would say to somebody is like, Again, take time out of your busy schedule, which they're going to be like, I don't have time to do that. Make the time to do it.
0: Make the time. So what you're saying is the treadmill that
1: we have in the basement
0: that I haven't been on in months, I should, you know, hey, it's there. Trevor's like, yo.
1: Maybe it's not exercise though. (laughs) Maybe it's it's something else, but.
0: I love that. It's such good advice. And it's not hard to do. We make it hard to do because it's not our human nature, but you're absolutely right. It's not hard to know what do I like what gets me a little Zen, a little like take a deep breath and it's 30 minutes a day.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Let's be human here. Like for me, I'm trying to start to step away and I've started this Women in Construction, probably men in Construction to Wall of Fame on my wall.
1: I saw it on Instagram.
0: Yeah. And it's like I thinking about my why and just like pausing the day and sitting back and being like, why are you doing this? who are you doing this for? Like, you're doing this for your family, you doing this for your staff's family. These women did it, these men and it worked and it built this life for so many people. So I'm kind of trying to get obsessed with my why, but I think what you, you just nailed it. It's like, is it really that hard to take 20 to 30 minutes on a job site or in the office to step away and just do something that, that brings you that pause that's healthy we all have to be human here like we have to push to be people in this industry because that's going to attract more talent when they see not burnout when they see us happy and right and loving the show of what we do every day
1: yeah and <laughs> then and being an owner like obviously that's not feasible for you know a guy that runs an excavator like that that conversation just isn't directed them but directing it to business owners I know every business owner can at least find 20 to 30 minutes a day that they can cut out of their own schedule and do something where they can they can think a bit and that's all I'm saying is just find something that makes you think or zen or relax and yeah I mean like some of my best ideas and thoughts come from when I'm running you know like whether it be for content whether it be in my personal life you know like okay I reflect on like how have I been as a father okay I could work on this or that like I have a lot of conversations with myself. Don't be afraid to talk to yourself. I think that's one too. I talk to myself all the time, and I mean, I I don't think people should stay away from that.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna start talking to myself, and I'll (laughs) I'll I'll blame you for that.
1: (laughs) Not not out loud though. I mean, like it's it's in my own head.
0: Quiet in your head.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No. So uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah that's those are all very good points. As far as when I first saw you three years ago, and I was introduced to Missy Sherber it was through instagram and i wanted to actually just ask you like what was the reasoning behind starting instagram um was it business was it personal and, and then how did you kind of like shape yourself into this public figure within construction and being a business owner
0: yeah so the original intention was marketing our business and telling the story of what i was watching unfold before my eyes was Wow, I used to go to model homes and be like, wow, this is a beautiful house and celebrate the builder, the general contractor, the interior designer. No one's showing all the steps that lead to this beautiful moment, right? Like you typically don't see the excavator at the ribbon cutting. And so I was like, I just want to share our story and I want to highlight the work that it takes to build our world. And it was strictly from a marketing perspective and also a competitive advantage. I, I was shocked when I came into this industry and just saw that like none of my competitors had great websites posting on social media regularly, their work, no photography, no bush. Like and I came from that world where the creative visual mattered to the point of sale. And so I just thought, well, let's have a competitive advantage and show the amazing work we're doing, and it it really took off. And we were one of the only excavators in the area who were active on social. Now all my competitors are, and I love it. You guys Uh, are crushing it. That's a good feeling. I'll leave a comment on them, like, "Yes, like nice new website," and they're like, "Thanks for making us up our game." You know, like we. So it started there. Um, Caterpillar reached out in 2018. At the time, we had just had a couple cat machines. Now we're switching to all Komatsu. Both are great, great. Shout out Komatsu. I know, a big shout out for them because we absolutely are just really happy with our fleet from them. They reached out and on women, International Women's Day in 2018 and just said, hey, can we notice you? There's not a lot of women in Earthlink. Can we tell your story and give you a shout out? And I was like, that's great. And through that, I'm like, you know what? I wonder if I just start sharing my story a little bit. And I did on Instagram. And it took off unexpectedly. I really didn't expect. I wasn't here looking for building a personal brand or anything like that. I just wanted to share our story and show through visualization that women are in this industry because I felt very alone and wondered, are there other females that feel me out there? Through that, Women in Construction Wednesday, I noticed this WCW trend in 2018. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. Wednesday, And so I like got online and was like, we're going to start we're going to change WCW and it's going to be Women in Construction Wednesday. If you're women in construction, like give a shout out. Show me your selfie. I'm going to share it. That just like, holy crap. Like, I feel like i blinked, and within a year, just had this amazing community of construction men and women who were like, this is awesome. Let's do this. Keep sharing. To be honest with you, I was actually going to get off Instagram in the last six to 12 months. I know your face looks very surprised.
1: Yeah, please tell.
0: Put a lot of attention there, and things were growing, and probably was getting a little distracted with engagement and giving the community what they need and wanted. Kind of a people pleaser and a people person, so I'm like answering all the questions and doing all the things. My husband Trevor was like, "Where are you? We got a company over here to, and that doesn't put bread on the table." Like. I understand it and I love your passion for it, but you're in the early stages of a business and we need you present. That combined with, I was kind of um, really publicly, I don't know if you say annihilated or bullied or something, but had someone really question me online and like my heart starts beating fast when I talk about it because I never really talked about her. And basically question is Missy Sherver really a woman in construction because she can't run on equipment she can't, you know, she's got all these pictures with machines that I own and pay for, but because I I can run them, I can't operate them.
1: It doesn't matter though. Like you don't even have to say that.
0: It just really questioned. And so unfortunately, now I look back and I'm like, now if someone said that to me, I'd be like, like, I'd laugh. But at the time, it totally debacled me. It made me like really insecure and which was my own choice. That wasn't the person that called me out online, it was me. It was me not understanding and knowing and be confident who I was and what I was doing in construction. And so watching that happen and affect my confidence. When Meanwhile, it's like, I need to run a business and run a household, love my kids and my husband and love our crew. Like, screw this. Like, I'm not coming out here. If you guys, I'm here to just share and empower and support and it's funny how that one or two people, the one or two haters like felt so big in my world. Yet meanwhile, there's all these people who are like, inspired or feel heard. So I really let that take me down a dark path and got to the point last year and my best friends could tell you this where I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done sharing our story. I'm done sharing my story. Like I am not, I'm out. And then what happened last fall, I was literally like, Gave myself a deadline, but the ConExpo started reaching out. And I was just like, no, probably not. So last year, I had kind of told Trevor and once my closest friends, like, this is killing my confidence. And what was killing my confidence was caring about what the other people said. It's not what the other people said. It was my care for it. We had a wildly talented operator walk in our office and say, I've been following you on Instagram for a year and I want to come work for you and I have a, an entire crew. That are, the company we all work for just got bought out. The leadership doesn't care about its people and we all follow you on Instagram and we know that you care about your people and we all want to go work for you. And I was like...
1: That's reason right Trevor's there. Pepper's
0: looking at me like, oh, maybe you should stay on Instagram.
1: Yeah, I would say.
0: And that happened and it started to help me see the positives. of it, it helped open my eyes to the good things that I was doing online and that it was making an impact and that it made an impact on our company and on other owners and how they were doing their business and treating their people and, and other women who like need to see themselves leading and loving what they do in this industry. And so I'm so thankful that happened because it really it kind of brought my confidence back and made me realize like, you're always going to have people that like you and people that don't. And people who make fun of you and ridicule you and 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 people who love what you're doing. And it's like, if it's just a few that love, that's what matters. And so, yeah, then I was like, all right, I'm here to stay. And now that Trevor is really happy, I mean, he was in an interview yesterday and the guy was like, oh yeah, I follow your wife on <laughs> And I'm just like, Holy cow for the recruitment of amazing workforce. I never thought that would serve us. I that wasn't why we were doing it. We were just being genuine and telling our story. And and so Trevor's kind of eating his words now and all the time I spent on Instagram. So hopefully now he's like, hey, just hang out on Instagram all day. It's getting us all our good people. And so that's the story of social media for me. I did it for a company. And then I tried to build something that built awareness for the heroes that work for us, including women. Then I was dethroned, I guess, by my own choice, by caring about what other people thought on if I really was a woman in construction. And then I found my confidence again last summer in, in just being who I am and giving myself permission to be who I am and wear pink and, and be a girly girl and still be in our industry and, and love my guys and, and not care about what others think. And then I saw the fruits of my labor online really pay off from a recruitment and a workforce perspective. And for telling our story, like I go in a general contractor, so they know who we are. They know what we do. And they're excited to work with us before I've even done our presentation on like, here's who T. Sherber is. Here's how we're different. And so I just think social media is a powerful tool um, if you could harness it for good. And if you're truly self-aware of like, there's going to be negativity, there's going to be haters, but there's going to be so much good, especially for the future of our industry from a recruitment perspective.
1: Yeah, you're you, yeah, 100%. And and that's an incredible story that you just said, because first of all, you know, you don't have to. It sucks, but it's crazy because you let and, and I'm a victim of this, too, is, you know, we always we let like you said, those one or two people um, that say this stuff to us affect us when there's hundreds of other people who are saying positive stuff about you. And sometimes you just don't take the time to even respond to them and because there's just there's there's a lot of it or or you just blow it by it's like okay great but when you see that hate it really sucks and second of all you sh- shouldn't have to explain to anybody or feel like you, ha- you have to explain to anybody whether or not you know how to run an excavator cuz you're a woman or you wear work boots every day cuz you're a woman like that's that's just so stupid you know uh, who cares you know I, I can't even relate to anything i'm because i'm not a, i'm not a woman or or anything like that but I get the hate, too, being, you know, uh, third generation and, you know, having my dad. And my dad got the exact same thing. My, you know, my dad always talks to me because he always sees the comments. He's like, people are saying your daddy's money. He's like, they have no idea. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's funny." And, and he got it as well, too. And then I get it as well, too. And, and it's just getting in that mindset of like, who, you know, d- who cares? It, it doesn't matter wh- what these people are saying. But I like the positive spin that you put on it as far as like, I gain my confidence back. And, you know, this larger thing came from this. And this is the actual positive spin of social media. And this is why I do it. So that's very impressive. And I think that it's really important for people to listen to that. And there's a lot of life lessons to be learned from from that story.
0: Yes, because we need more people that are on Instagram that I see on my stories and you see them on your stories. We need more of them telling their story. They're just watching all of us and they're not sharing yet. And we need them to share their story. We need their friends and family to see this industry and the power in it and the magic and the amazing life it can, it can bring us. And so that means we all need to be bold and brave together to tell our stories online. And I waged war with it because it does open you up to maybe some negativity or someone making fun of you or you to do that bucket ride or this safety vest. And it's just like, who freaking cares? We're building the world around us and doing it with the sweat of our brows and amazing talent in the office and in the field. I almost want to say F that, but I'm not going to screw that. I'll let yeah, you yeah. say it for me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Screw that. And so, yeah, I think let's start a, a movement on social where we're asking our followers, sharing your stories too. Don't just watch us. What are you doing that's making an impact? And how many people would you bring into our industry just by sharing your story, we're visual by nature. Be proud of what you do, whether you have a hater or two or not. Be proud of what you do. Share it online. I mean, people need to know like the force of earth movers and waste management and all the infrastructure and things that make their world go round. Maybe more of them would join us if they knew more about it.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think that it's important to to get the message out there and to, to also as people are watching us in the industry, people like us make sure that we're cognitive of watching other people as well too. And we're constantly learning and evolving, but I'm also really excited because we're going to be able to get to talk about stuff like this. Yes. At this year's con expo. I mean, you and uh, Jimmy Starbuck and Katie Crane and Matt Stanley. Yes. Yeah. I always, I I just call him American pavement, but he's Matt, Matt Stanley. We're going to be on an, an influencer panel kind of talk about, social media and the industry and uh, I'm really excited to kind of like carry on like even like that conversation that we just had like right there like as far like I mean people listening like we're we're preparing this you know behind the scenes as a team and like us just having this conversation right now Missy it's like okay like th- that's a great conversation to actually have as well too because there's a lot of like talking points and lessons in that
0: yeah, the listeners need to know that uh, you know if you're going to Expo, that influencer panel is going to be amazingly important for where we are now uh, as an industry, where we're headed and their an important part of sharing their story and, and branding themselves and, and, and being an influencer, whether it's within their company or online or offline, we're all influencers to grow and make, build a better industry. And so the influencer panel is going to be awesome. We have been behind the scenes. It's going to be epic. So I hope everyone is able to make it to that, that that session. It's just going to be powerful. And they extended it for us. They gave us two hours. So we get to hang out afterwards. I think we got to rally some sponsors and get some giveaways and give the people some beer and snacks or something.
1: I agree. Yeah, that's what I said. Like, I think uh, Matt or Jimmy were saying, well, it's 9 a.m. And I'm like, I'll be cracking a cold one. I'll be there. We'll We'll, we'll be there. <laughs>
0: hey construction and you know, we're not on a job site. So let's let's make it. I'm I'm so excited for the show. I'm so excited to see everyone. Obviously Trevor's edge of his seat to go look at the equipment and go to the Kamat's booth. Has spent quite a bit of time there. Bobcat, Wacker Nusan, um there's a lot of brands. He's excited to go see what's coming for them. I'm excited to see the people
1: I'm, a, I'm the same.
0: It's a family reunion. We are a family and and it's the time to just See each other, pause, reflect, have fun, grab a beer and have some good conversations that make our industry better.
1: Well, I would love to continue on this conversation. You will at our at our panel. And and just continuing at Con Expo. I mean, like, you're gonna be there and and I'll be there and everybody kind of that's been on the podcast. And that's why I like the lead up with the podcast. It's kind of like a continuation of our conversations at the actual show. So like I appreciate your time coming on today. And I know that. This is a high value episode, and I felt like I even pulled a lot from what you said. And I actually learned a lot about who you are and what you do. And I got to say, like, I have a high respect for, for what you do day in and day out. I want to make sure that, that you know that.
0: Thank you. Uh, everyone in this industry deserves respect for all the different parts and pieces and places. And I'm excited to watch you grow this podcast and take it a different direction when you sent me the questions, I was like, oh, seems a little dry and boring. And then you took it right
1: in just a That's deep. what I don't even know if I touched on, I have the thing beside me open.
0: I don't think you asked one question and I'm proud of you for that because you really, it just shows that your interest in innovation and taking our industry to a new place. It's been in a great place, but there's some places for us to go. And I just love how human you made this conversation and how comfortable I felt things I haven't shared before and hope that inspires others and you inspire others and we'll continue on at Con Expo.
1: No, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Those are all in, insanely nice words. And now my head's going to blow up because my ego, but, uh, we'll the, have
0: to uh, work on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That has been the Con ConExpo ConEg podcast. Thank you, Missy, for coming. And obviously this episode is brought to you by our amazing friends over at Komatsu. Thank you very much for listening. Can you believe it? ConExpo Con, Expo, Con Ag is almost here. That's right, the largest construction family reunion in North America is going to be here before we know it. See and test the new equipment, ask the technical experts, find out what your business will be using tomorrow. Make the connections that matter. If you haven't registered yet, there's still time to secure tickets. Visit conexpoconag.com and use the promo code PODCAST20 to get 20% off. That's right. 20% off with the promo code PODCAST20. If you already have your tickets to the show, join us in the countdown and comment below to let us know that you are going and we'll be there and we are excited to see you.